Welcome to another edition of Campus Life, our college side of things here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Some fun things to talk about tonight, um, but I think the, the best way to start off here is just to recap a little bit of what's gone on in this mock draft that we are doing so far that we have called the heavy hitters mock. If you're following along on Twitter at all, you've probably seen that hashtag thrown around a little bit the past couple of days. Uh, we have some big names in here. We have Travis May with us, uh, Fusu, uh, Kevin Coleman, um, Corey from uh, Breakout Finder. What's his last name? Pereira? Uh, it just says Corey P okay. on, on Twitter. Yeah, uh, Matt Hicks, Jarek <laughs> Backus, Alfred Fernandez, Kane Fassell, Matt Bruning, and of course, Mr. Destination Devi himself, Ray GQ. So it is quite the group along with the two of us here. Colin, how do you feel that your draft is going through what? You've, you've made your sixth pick here, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just submitted my sixth pick maybe like a half hour ago or so. Um, I'm hyped. I like my team a lot. Um, little Texas heavy, uh, which we can get into that in a little bit, but I got Bajan and at the first spot there um, and followed it up with Travion, who I think are two of the top uh, running back prospects from a pro potential, but there are also two guys who I think could really put up some huge numbers in college as well. Um, Travion Henderson, I think, is going to step on campus and day one be the most talented running back on Ohio State. So I expect him to get a lot of work this year. Uh, we already know about Bajan and how talented he is, how much work he's going to get. Uh, then I followed it up with Hudson Card. So I have the Bajan and Hudson Card combo there, which could be disastrous if texas flops uh but i'm i'm pretty happy with that um and then rounded out with some good young talent at receiver and downs and mcmillan and then i just took uh my guy noah kane so you know can't get out of this without a penn state guy right exactly exactly <laughs> the, the only pick guy we're taking is already gone so i'm i'm resigned to not ending up with anybody from from my favorite team you know what can he pick it <laughs> Uh, we're only going 15 rounds, right? So no, yeah. I don't want Kenny Pickett. <laughs> I, I appreciate Kenny Pickett, but I don't think he's going to be much in the way of an NFL player. Um, let's see here. So I, I've only made five picks. So it's a couple picks away from my, my sixth selection here. I took Sam Howell at the one of three to lead off. Um, DJU went first overall and Spencer Rattler went second. I, I took the one of three because I thought DJU would be there and I thought he would just be a fun guy to, to come away with. And <laughs> then Tra Travis May DMs me and he's like, oh, cool. I'm 101. I'm going to take DJU. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> so, um, but that's okay. I mean, I still really like Sam Howell. Still think, you know, maybe we've talked about this a little bit before. Maybe he doesn't do so much this year, but uh, really, you know, pro prospects looking pretty good there. At the end of the second round, I took Raheem Jarrett, the rising sophomore wide receiver at Maryland, who I really, really like and has the potential to be uh, probably the second best receiver in that class uh, after Boutte. I think at least, you know, he's in that discussion. I took Diamante Trianum in the third, possibly a bit of a reach, but he was my top rated running back left. And I knew if I didn't take him, he wasn't going to make it back because Kevin Coleman likes him. Took Will Shipley in the fourth uh, another just you know high upside running back for Clemson, and then I got Michael Mayer in the fifth, and this is a tight end premium. I really didn't want to take Michael Mayer. Not that I don't like him, I just don't like taking tight ends early. But with how far he fell, I felt like I almost had to at that point. Yeah, I was strongly considering him in the fourth, where I took Downs, um, just because there's not really 
a lot of standout tight ends, and I think he looks like he's going to be one. He should put up like solid numbers there at Notre Dame. They don't have a ton of uh, skill position guys that they're returning. Um, they're returning. Uh, who's the one? They brought in brought back one of their top receivers, but the other one left. Uh, I can't remember. Who. Kevin Austin. Yeah. Yes, Austin. Um, yeah, so he's back, but Mayer should step in nicely into the number two role. Um, so I was considering him there, but a tight end is just pretty replaceable in a C2C, and it's difficult to project guys that far out. So I thought the fourth was a little early, but no, I like him where you took him. Yeah, compared to Eric Gilbert, who went 206, you know, not, yeah. um, you know, basically half the the value there or whatever. So not yeah. not too shabby. Um, if you guys want to continue following along with that draft, like we said, it is the heavy hitters mock. There is a hashtag along with that if you want to search that on Twitter. Um, and the six or the twelve participants are all just kind of tweeting out as we go. So along with the campus to Canton account, which I guess we should announce here yeah. that <laughs> oh, you still have your old one up. Colin has officially changed Twitter handles. We have turned over the old one to the show. Um, along with some other things. So Colin, what, where can the people find you now? Right. So yeah, I gave up, uh, gave up the campus to Canton handle for right now. Um, I mean, I still, I I still do a little bit with it, but, um, you know, I'm not solely running that right now. Uh, you can find me at C2C Decker right now. Um, so I think that's probably what I'm going to stick with. Um, uh, anybody who doesn't know my last you name just Decker, changed, so. and you just changed it as we were talking. Yes, I did. Yeah. Cause I didn't even notice that I had st- campus to Canton still on here, but, um, uh, yeah, I just changed it. Gaslighting me a little bit. I know I saw <laughs> the old one there and now the new one's, <laughs> new one's in his spot. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah. You always play the victim on here and that, you know, you're pulling that crap. All right. Uh, I don't think anybody can deny that out of the two of us, I would be more in the victim role here. I'm more victimized on the show. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to throw a pull up after the show. Well, I mean, after you just constantly don't remember things. That's the thing. You forget one night out on the town. And all the whole of a Huffle, sudden, the yeah. whole Hufflepuff thing, too. Okay, so we ta- we asked <laughs> two other people, neutral parties, about this. And one of them said, yes, that happened. And one of them said, no. So I'm still not even sure. And the one that said, yes, it happened was your brother. Yeah, so, but he's way more likely to back you up than he is me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm skeptical. And you guys were together when he said that, too. So, I mean, no, there could have been, there could have been we some weren't. threats of violence involved. We were, I was up visiting my parents, but he, we were not at the same location at that time. All right. I don't believe you, but continue. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll move on here. All right. Yeah. So, we got a lot so, to we, to. so we do have some recent news items that we wanted to talk about here. And one of them's from like almost exactly a week ago. We just barely missed this with the last time we talked. And the other one's a little more recent. Uh, we are going to kick things off with this athletic article that came out about a week ago uh, regarding Texas football. And the premise of the article, for those who haven't read it or don't have an athletic subscription, was written by Bruce Feldman, who is a guy I like a lot of his work. I, I tend to try to read whatever he puts out. But he went and asked three different or four members of Texas's 2020 staff and he granted them anonymity in return uh, for them kind of spilling a little bit about what they what went on behind the scenes last year at Texas in terms of where the talent is on the roster and what they think uh, Steve Sarkeesian is likely to do with uh, some of the personnel there moving forward. Um, so 
Colin, do you want to talk just a little bit about what they said about the quarterback situation since you just took well, you took all these guys, but uh, you know, you just you just took Hudson Card in the, the third round of a C2C startup. So did something in this article maybe push you in that direction? Yeah. So I mean I've been I've been on the card uh bandwagon here for a little while. Um I've mentioned him at least twice on the show here before, but uh yeah, this article just really reinforced it for me. Um, Sark said he did extensive an extensive eval on card before coming to Texas. Uh, and he said he feels like they're in really good hands there. And I mean, if, if Casey, or if, if Herman had stuck around, I would have been a little bit more concerned about card going forward, but, um, with Sark coming there, I can't imagine that he wanted to go for Casey Thompson. You know, I feel like he was definitely intrigued more by card. You know, Card was at a four-star guy, uh, number two dual threat. He was number 59 overall prospect um, from 6A Lake Travis in Texas. Uh, so big school, big competition there. Um, you know, he's got the frame too, 6'2", 193. So he's checking off a lot of boxes there. Um, and anonymous, so the whole article had anonymous coaches. They didn't say who they were. But um, the one coach said he would be shocked if Card wasn't the starter Another one comped him to Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers. They praised his ability to throw off platform and he really drives the ball well. Uh, they said they think he's a four or five guy speed wise, uh, which I think you can you could see that on tape. Um, you know, maybe four or five, four or six uh, is probably pretty close to where he's at. But I mean, he's just, he's an electric athlete I mean, he's very good change of direction steals, uh, very good stop start ability. Um, so does it quite have the long speed to maybe hit the four or five. That's why I think it might be a little closer to four or six, but either way, still a very good athlete. Um, and then another coach said that they thought he could really be special there. So really everything from this article uh, is pointing in cards direction as being the starter. And I think you're going to hear the steady drum beat for him all off season coming off of this article as well. So, you know, I think that I'm with them. I think he could really be special. Uh, I liked him a lot beforehand. Now you're getting him into uh, Sark's offense, which you know we saw how well that performed the past two years at Bama. Uh, so I think that you're going to hear him, his name pop up all the offseason. He's going to start climbing in a lot of ranks. So I don't think it's going to be unreasonable to take him in the third round of a C2C startup. Uh, you know, you may even be lucky to get him at that spot by the time the season rolls around. Yeah, especially with that big golf after those first, you know, I think at this point, the consensus is for Debbie and C2C that really your top four guys are some combination of Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, DJ Uyunglele, and Bryce Young. And then after that, like those Debbie watch drafts that have come out the past couple weeks, there's like a two round gap after them where just there's not really any proven quarterbacks worth taking there. So I, I definitely think, you know, Stroud and Card are probably the two biggest candidates, uh, at least before spring practices here, to kind of slide up the board a little bit and and fill that gap. Yeah, I agree. And I, I like Stroud. Um, I did have Stroud as my QB three uh, of last year's class. Card was four. It was very close. I mean, there was a pretty big gap between DJU and Bryce Young uh, between those two guys because those two guys looked like special prospects. But um, I still liked Stroud and Card a lot. They were very close. And I, I took Hudson Card over CJ Stroud in this one. And it was really close for me. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's just a mock. So, uh, you know, I felt like I could just, 
I can feel like I could take a shot on my guy here without having like too big of consequences. But I think if I didn't take him where I did, I think he was going to go shortly after that anyway. Yeah, I can't. I don't know if I would have seen him going. Although everyone, like everyone, was waiting on QB, and now I'm just waiting for the run to start. Um, I mean, there was that little mini one there at the beginning, at the end of the fifth, with Grant Canal, Kyle McCord, Tyler Buchner. Yeah. Um, but so, I, yeah, the QB situation in in college this year, just you know, I think with the lack of playing time for the freshman last year and and all of that kind of stuff is has you know put a little bit of a damper on possibly highlighting. Uh, some of these younger talents. So I, I am very interested to see. And part and some of that might be too, as we've talked about on the show, you know, that consolidation of talent at some of these top schools. I mean, you see, I mean, DJU was behind Trevor Lawrence. Bryce Young was behind um, Mac Jones. Um, and it's, you know, Stroud behind fields. Like all these guys went to schools that they were pretty much guaranteed not to play right away. Card behind Ellinger. I mean, Ellinger is not much of an NFL guy, but he'd, he'd been the starter there for three years. They weren't going to unseat him. Um, especially with a coach who obviously was on the hot seat and ended up losing their job. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's wheels up for card and that's not to take away from Thompson who had that really nice performance in the bowl game. I feel really bad that we're all talking about this because these kids hear this stuff, you know, yeah. one, if one, like I've only been like tweet, you know, on Twitter and stuff for a year, but I've can, I've, I can't count how many tweets I've had where a player likes the tweet. Like they know when people are talking about them good and bad. So I feel bad, like sitting out here saying, you know, Hudson Card's the obvious starter, but you know, for Sarkeesian to say st- to say that he would only go to a school that had a good quarterback, like I- I'm sorry, Casey Thompson, but I just don't think that that was what he was alluding to when he when he said that. Yeah, and I mean, I'll be surprised if Casey Thompson actually listens to the podcast. I think you're with Twitter; they can kind of search their names yeah. so they can find people that way, like they were talking about them, um, but. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, he looked good in the bowl game and he definitely gave me some pause there a little bit uh, when I was hyping up card, you know, it made me think twice about it. But then once Herman was gone, uh, I thought it was wheels up for card as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the article also spends a decent amount of time talking about Bijan, uh, who we all know by this point is just the love of my life. You know, happy day after Valentine's Day here. I can say that. Um Kid averaged 8.2 yards as a true freshman. You know, looked very, very good catching the ball as well. I don't have him marked down. I call like the can't, you know, the can't miss guys in air quotes. I call them tier zero in my rankings. Um, Trevor Lawrence is the only tier zero guy in this year's class, if that gives you kind of an idea. There were no tier zero players in last year's class for me. So it's it, like I don't have a kid in that class every year. Bijan's very close to that. If he comes out this year hot and that's Sark offense, I think he very, very easily could bump into that tier zero for me. Um, which is basically just an undisputable 101 future, um, you know, rock for your dynasty, you know, the NFL side of things. Um, and the coaches, they didn't really like, I, so, I mean, I know there was a whole interview with this and then they kind of pick the quotes out that they want to use, but the coaches were like, uh, he's amazing. I don't know why he didn't play. <laughs> if we played him more, we probably wouldn't have lost games. Uh, like he just should have played more. And I, I took a screenshot of it the other day and just wrote no yeah. shit on it and posted <laughs> it to Twitter. Like, uh, yeah, everyone could see that from their couches. Uh, but you have to believe another guy that it's just wheels up for this year. Yeah, absolutely. And a couple other quotes that they pulled out there um, were 
the one staffer uh, said, I'm, so he's six foot and 222, Bajan is, and they called him Christian McCaffrey. Like they said he has Christian McCaffrey like ability. And at six foot 222, like that's just going to be a disgusting type of a prospect. Like that's like almost like a Saquon Barkley level of a prospect. Um, and the you know, another person said that he had probably the best hands on the entire team, which you just, you love to see that out of a running back. So, yeah, he was lightly used last year, but you know who knows? Maybe that'll end up being working out for the better because I don't think Sark's going to make the same mistake. Uh, I think that he's Sark is going to use Bijan like he should be used. Yeah, I'm interested to see what they do with that offense. Um, I mean, I know Sark is known for being a very versatile, you know, game planner. He doesn't necessarily have a system. I'd be like, you know, with Card being such an athlete, do they do a little bit more RPO based type stuff? Um, you know, I, I'm just curious to see what that rushing offense looks like last, next year, especially with not a lot of other running backs on that roster. I mean, they have Roshan Johnson converted quarterback to running back who was like their second leading rusher or whatever last year. And then after that, not, not a lot. So you have to figure that there's going to be, uh, some nice amount of touches going Bijan's way. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I mean, they lost Keontae Ingram. He transferred to USC. So um, you know, it's, it's pretty much Bajan's backfield, you know, they, Texas missed out on Wheaton, uh, the freshman coming in this year, they missed out on LJ Johnson. So, and I have to believe that both of those two guys looked at Bajan sitting there and were like, oh, I don't know if I'm better than this guy, you know, let me go to, you know, Texas A&M for LJ Johnson, where he can sit behind Spiller for a year and then hop in Kamar Wheaton, where it's a little bit more of a muddled backfield. So I, yeah, I think that that they, the everybody who kind of looked at that and was like, "This is going to be Bijan's backfield." It's hilarious if that's like the line that appears to be drawn in terms of players' confidence in taking jobs because we see these guys go to situations all the time where you're like, even you know, us at home are like, "This dude's never going to play." Lo and behold, two years later, they never play and they transfer. So it would be hilarious if like Bijan's the line where you're like, "Yeah, like you know, fuck it, we're <laughs> I, I, we're definitely not going to play over this." Game, so that's good. Let's go elsewhere. Um, so the last, they, they did talk a little, I mean, they talked a lot of defense in the article too. So we're obviously going to skip over all that. They did talk a little bit about receiver and Colin, one guy in particular, I think that you kind of wanted to highlight here. Yeah. So the one guy I wanted to highlight too, he's a guy I had mentioned once before when we were talking about Texas, um, just kind of in passing. He is a guy that I liked coming out this year or this past year. Uh, and that's Troy O'Meara. Um, he's, uh, the bigger body guy. He's six, three, two thirty. Um, so he has that like alpha build there and I had him on my watch list, you know, and then he tore his ACL in camp this fall. He missed the full season. So he's really under the radar right now. Uh, but the coaches there were saying that they think he could be a true number one receiver. And I mean, I could definitely see that with his size, his skill set there. And then the other wide receivers on the team, they're kind of more like the wide receiver RB type guys or like slot type guys you know, and Jordan Whittington. Um, Joshua Moore and Jake Smith. Those guys are all profiled pretty similarly. Uh, Whittington, 6'1", 209. Jake Smith, six foot 200. Joshua Moore, 6'1", 169. So he's a little bit lighter. Uh, but you know they don't have another guy out there who has Omir's skill set. And that's something that Texas has always had, You know whether it was um, uh, Colin Johnson and they had Brennan Eagles too. So you know, they've had a guy like that for the past couple years here. So I think Troy O'Meara can step into that role pretty nicely. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. I think I have him ranked significantly higher than consensus right now. 
I have him at wide receiver 80 in college. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and it looks like I'm just looking at, um, like I see this ranking here. Someone has him at 114. Okay. So, you know, I, I think that's, you know, that's a low. Uh, that's, I would that's be pretty, higher than that. Yeah. Um, you know, just to be a big guy. I mean, you think of what Traylon Burks has done the past couple of years, and this, we're talking about a similar level of athlete. Yes. Um, to, to Burks. Now, whether, you know, not everybody ends up working out like Burks, you know, that's why he's kind of the unicorn that he is, but it's exciting to potentially have another guy like that um, because that's stuff you just can't teach. Right. Yeah. Um, and the other guy that I noticed in the article real quick that I just, you know, I'm going to have my eyes on going into the year is freshman Calvante Dixon. Yes. Who had three catches in 2020, um, but they just called him the fastest guy on the team. So, you know, speed kills. And I think he's going to be virtually free. You know, he's a guy you take and round, you know, if you're worried that somebody else in your league read this article and like take him in round 35 or something, but I don't think you'd really have to reach that much further than that. Unless he just totally blows up spring camp, um, which is always a possibility with some of these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another thing too, is we're going to see an actual spring camp this year, which is, it's going to be awesome. Like I'm very excited for that. So, well, yeah, true. Cross fingers. fingers We should at this point see a spring camp for all of these guys. So we're actually going to get some information on depth charts before, you know, September rolls around and they're about ready to push the season back and they don't even know if they're going to have it. You know, hopefully we could actually get some good ideas of who's standing out, who's making jumps and we can bring that stuff to you guys all off season too. Yeah, I think that's going to be, you know, there will at least be a large segment at the beginning of every episode, basically, where we talk, you know, kind of wrap up what's been happening lately, because that's like that's and that's how you get a jump in these leagues, you know, without a centralized location for a lot of this information over the past few years. That is how I've gotten a lot of steals in C2C drafts, especially either startups, basically the like the, the two categories of guys that I think generally stand out in those things is a guy that was like a freshman last year, but didn't really play but is like tearing it up as their second year there and the guy in front of them is gone or a true freshman that has come in and basically made it look like they have been there for years and um, they, they just look like they belong. Those are kind of the categories that I look for when I'm looking at some of these, this camp info. So hopefully we can keep you guys kind of up to date on a lot of that and um, you know, help, help you win some leagues. That's the hope of the show. And that's going to be our hope this off season too, is I mean, we're going to have like a lot of content around that time in the spring um, especially on the show where we're just constantly bringing you guys some updates, some camp battles and everything like that. So definitely stay tuned for that here in the spring. Yeah. Um, other big news piece this week, I think, is the news that uh, the show punching bag Tyler Shuck is transferring <laughs> from Oregon <laughs> <laughs> or at least has entered the portal. We do not have a final location <laughs> for him yet. <laughs> I feel bad. I mean, you know, like I always say, I don't root for any of these kids to be bad. I just think if you objectively watched Oregon's offense last year, it's the worst offense they've had in years. And I think a lot of it came down to, um, you know, at least for what the system dictates, subpar quarterback play. I don't think Shuck was the answer there. And Oregon has a lot of other talent on the roster. Colin, do you have a particular guy that maybe you like more? And then what do you think is going to happen? Well, so you put, um, you know, on the show sheet here, Tyler Shuck transferring, where would be a good level for him? And I put, does it matter Um, in my notes? Um, But, you know, moving on from from Shuck, uh, you know, like you said, we we don't refer anybody to fail. Um, 
you know, and by all accounts, he's a good kid too. So, you know, we joke, but hopefully he goes somewhere and, you know, looks, you know, takes over a job somewhere and looks good. And, you know, maybe he makes an NFL roster or something. I, mean, I, I doubt it, but hey, hopefully he proves me wrong. Uh, but as far as like opening up the quarterback battle here, um, you got three names here who are all pretty, pretty high recruits. You got Ashford, uh, Robbie Ashford, four-star guy, number 12 dual threat from last year. Um, you got uh, Jay Butterfield, four-star guy, number five pro prospect from last year. Uh, and then you got Ty Thompson this year, uh, four-star guy, number four pro prospect. Um, and then number 39 prospect or pro quarterback and the number 39 prospect overall. And looking at those guys, um, I liked Ashford last year, but uh, I like Thompson more. Thompson would be my pick out of this group. Um, he would be the guy that I would lean towards. He's six three and a half, two oh two listed there. Uh, he ran a four nine six from the opening, which surprised me because he looked a lot more mobile than that. I mean, you see him get outside the pocket. Um, he has good agility. He's a pretty sudden athlete. Um, so I think that he's a better athlete than a four nine six. I would guess probably like a four seven, four six ish somewhere around there. Um, but he's got a cannon of an arm. Uh, I mean, you're routinely seeing him heave the ball 40, 50 yards downfield. He's got good touch on that deep ball as well. Uh, he'll drive the ball really well on all of his throws. He's got a nice fastball. Um, and in the offense, you do see him roll out a lot. But I really liked that he would, when he would roll out, he would still set his feet and deliver the ball. It wasn't just rolling out and just trying to chuck it on the move. Um, I mean, he does, you know, he, he throws pretty well off platform, but he always tries to set his feet and, you know, deliver a nice ball there. Um, so, you know, deep balls are what really stand out on his tape, uh, but he definitely flashes the ability to hit why his wide receivers in stride in the short to intermediate area and to put them in good position. So he has pretty good accuracy on all levels of the field. Um, so, and Mario Cristobal is already gushing about him, um, saying he has the opportunity to start right away, called him an exceptional talent, said he was the alpha dog of the elite 11, might be the best QB in the country. You know, and obviously he's going to Oregon, so Christabel's kind of going to hype him up a little bit. But uh, I, I'm kind of with him. Uh, I'm going to be pretty high on Ty Thompson this year. Yeah, I think he's my favorite too. I just worry about Christabel, and he's a bit more conservative when it comes to playing freshman immediately, uh, at least what it seems like. Um, so I don't really know what to expect. I because I. I kind of like I like everything about Jay Butterfield except for the fact that his legs look like twigs and he's like enormous. He's six six two twelve. So he's really, really tall, but he's built like a stick. And I think he might be the best passer of the three, to be completely honest. I really like his touch and accuracy. I worry a little bit. Again, it's gonna be the same problem they have with Shuck where uh, not necessarily, you know, not unathletic and not, you know, a statue, but not necessarily the level of athlete that you typically think of when you think of Oregon offense quarterbacks. Whereas I think Ashford and Thompson both are, you know, Thompson's listed as a pro style, but he's pretty mobile, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Ashford, definitely the, the better athlete of the three um, actually played at Hoover in Alabama. He played with George Pickens and some of those guys down there. Um which I actually didn't realize until I was looking at this show. Um, so I, I really, I honestly think it's uh, going to be a really good competition between those three. And 
the fact that there's no shuck there now kind of like I'm kind of scared to try to pick one of those three guys. Yeah, I definitely get being scared to pick one of those three guys because there's not I mean Ashford and Butterfield neither of them saw any pass attempts this year. Uh, it was all Shuck or Anthony Brown who transferred in from Boston College. Um, I don't, I haven't seen anywhere if he's sticking around. I'm assuming. I don't I'm know. Assuming. Yeah, I mean, I guess we are all just like rolling him out, but yeah, we're ruling him out. So I, so I don't know. Um, I don't know what he's his plan is, but so he could be in there too. But because none of the other guys have got even gotten a snap, uh, you know, I. Ty Thompson stands on even playing field with those guys. I mean, they were, yeah, they were in the offense this year, so they know the playbook a little bit better. Um, so, you know, he, they have a little bit of a leg up on that front, but I think Ty Thompson's the best prospect out of all of them. So I think that can kind of even it up. Uh, when it comes to Jay Butterfield, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of out on him. He's, he's a pretty poor athlete. He clocked a 5.0140 and a 25-inch vert. I mean, I don't really care that much about the vert for your for for a quarterback, but like that just shows you the level of athlete that he is. F- mean, finally, a Division One quarterback <laughs> that I'm a better, or at least my high school Austin was a better athlete than high school. Team. Know, pretty- yeah. yeah, so so I mean, that's just that's just too poor of an athlete. And then six six, I think, is too big of a quarterback for me. When you're that type of a prospect, you have to really show out when it comes to the accuracy and his accuracy is good, but it's not anything that stands out to me. I mean, you do see receivers kind of have to adjust to the ball at times. He doesn't really hit them in stride all that well. I mean, it's good. It's probably, he definitely is the best accuracy out of the three of them at this point, but it's not, it's not high enough that I think that you would put Thompson or that he would keep Thompson or Ashford on the bench. Um, And the guy we haven't talked about yet is Ashford. Um, he's uh was the four star guy, twelve number twelve dual threat last year. Um, he ran a four five nine forty from the opening, so he's definitely the best athlete of the three. Uh, six two one ninety eight, so pretty good size there too. He's got a big arm, um, and he has a good general accuracy, but he struggles with ball placement. Wait, um, what do you what do you have him listed as? Uh, six two one ninety eight. Oh. Um... I got six three two twenty five. Either way, it's kind of <laughs> significant. But either way, yeah. Well, I mean, I where were you pulling yours from? Oregon's website. Okay, I was pulling mine. I pulled mine off of twenty four seven. So, gotcha. yeah, I mean, he probably added some weight. So that makes they, sense they must have it. a good cafeteria, Eugene. <laughs> they got Eugene. the Nike. Uh, they got the Nike guys up there trying to train him up. Mm, just eat it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what I say with him is he's. He does. He struggles with ball placement, um, and the windows are only going to get tighter at the next level. So I don't think he's he doesn't have the a- uh, accuracy that I think you're going to be looking for. Uh, plus, he plays baseball for Oregon as well. Um, so there's the possibility that he gets jumped uh, or doesn't stand out right away, and he's like, you know what, I'm just going to go play baseball. Um, so I think that's definitely in the range of outcomes, which is all of that is why. I'm still leaning Ty Thompson. I feel pretty good that he's going to get the nod this year. So if Thompson's your guy and you were in a startup, 
what round would you start feeling comfortable taking him in? Did he go in the one we're doing right now? The other one we're doing right now? Not the heavy yes, hitters, he but yes, he did. I took him. Um, let okay, me, there we go. <laughs> let me pull this up real quick here. Um, where did I take him? I took Ty Thompson in the ninth. Um, at the beginning of the ninth. So, yeah, okay. no, I think that's, I, I feel very comfortable taking him there. Yeah, I think that's a nice spot for him. Um, I think that could, I mean, if he wins the job, that's a steal, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I guess the other question is the flip side of this coin. We don't have to spend that much time on this, but do we have a spot that we like for Shuck to transfer to? I wrote down two different ones. Um, okay. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it. I, no, like I, I said, I wrote down, does it matter? I wrote down, so I think like like Tulsa loses their quarterback this year. Zach mm. Smith graduates. A school like that, I think, would be a good landing spot for him. I also wrote down Arizona could be a possibility because he's from Arizona with Ganell transferring out. They don't have a lot there behind him. They bring in... Um, they bring in a kid from uh, McLeod, I think, from USF is going there, who is a much better athlete than him. Um, so depending on what kind of offense that coach wants to run, you know, I don't even know if they'll make a run at him or not. That just seemed like maybe a spot where he'd go. You see a lot of these guys kind of go back toward where they, they are from when they transfer. Yeah, no, that's a good point with Arizona. Um, I like the Tulsa call, though. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that, that's definitely an interesting one for me. Um, cause like you said, they, they did lose their quarterback, but uh, beyond that, they, they're bringing a lot of guys back and that's a team that finished, uh, what was it? The 21st, I think in the country, um, something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, and then they bring in, um, Braylon Braxton, who's a guy that I highlighted on the three star show. Who's a guy that I like a lot, but is a guy who needs to sit for a year. Um, I think and he's not, he would not be ready to take over right now. So you could bring in Chuck and, and Chuck would have what I think three years of eligibility left. Um, I, because- I don't have any idea. Like tracking all this stuff. So we're, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to talk about a guy in the freshman spotlight here in the depth chart. I'm like, well, there's four guys, but they were all technically seniors last year. So I haven't like, I just don't, <laughs> I don't know what any of these teams anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, Chuck, I think he has three years of eligibility left because they gave everybody an extra one. Uh, but I don't think he's like an NFL guy, so I could see him getting his degree in four years and just dipping. So that could give two years there for Braylon Braxton to sit and learn, and then he can take over there, and um, he could just kind of learn from him. So I think that's a good spot. Yeah. Um, that's in a, yeah, like, again, nothing, literally nothing linking him there. I was just kind of trying to think of like the level that I think that he would be best at, you know, and that's kind of yeah. the level that immediately comes to my mind. And Zach, uh, I think he's kind of a comparable quarterback to Zach Smith. Smith stylistically anyway um, yeah so that, that just you know uh, i mean obviously if that happens somehow i would totally claim that yeah that's what i meant but <laughs> I, I mean i'm just i'm just speaking on you know generally that level of team is where i think yeah we'll end up going. um so we do have a freshman spotlight here uh we each we each have one guy we each chose a running back tonight um, and Colin, you have a guy. So I tried to watch like two minutes of him here before the show just to get some <laughs> sort of like baseline feel for this kid. Um, cause he's really, you know, not a person that I had been looking at at all, but tell us a little bit about, uh, Caleb hood. Uh, yeah. So my, my freshman spotlight here is Caleb hood. Uh, now he is listed as an athlete, 
Um, but everything has him expected to be to play playing running back there for them. Um, and he has the size for it too. So at that point, uh, well, so he was a wildcat quarterback. Um, he, you know, played mostly quarterback there his junior year. Um, and he was listed at 5'11, 205 when he played quarterback. And then when he moved to running back, they changed his weight and height to 6'1, 231. So pretty, pretty stark difference there. Now, he, they did update this on here uh, on 24-7 to his weight at 231, and I did see an article for uh, where they're talking about him being an early enrollee and everything, and he did, and he said he did bulk up to uh, 230. Um, so he did put on about 25 pounds because his uh, football team in uh, Rockingham, North Carolina, he went to Richmond High School, they moved their football to the spring. So like they are, so he's just been working out constantly trying to get ready to be a running back because he declared for UNC very early. Uh, his dad went there, um, 20, 18, 20 years ago, whatever it was. Um, and his dad was a cornerback there. He's pretty good. So he's grown up being a big UNC fan. He's always wanted to go there. So when they gave him an offer, he jumped on it. Um, so, you know, he's, he's the number 50 composite athlete. He's a number three star. He's a three-star guy, but 24 seven sports has him as a four-star guy and they have him as the number 21 athlete. So we mentioned before that one of the things you look for is some of like the differences between the composite and, you know, 24 sevens rankings. And this is a huge disparity, uh, which is one of the things that led me to him to begin with that. And the fact that he's a running back going to UNC, who's losing, um, Javante Williams and Michael Carter. So he's losing a lot of production there. Um, now they do bring in Kamaro Edmonds, who's a guy that I'd still like, uh, but I don't think he's this elite talent who's guaranteed to have a role right away. So the fact that hood is already on campus, um, you know, I think that definitely helps him. Yeah. Um, but when you get into his film, the first thing that stands out when you watch his tape is whoever his high school found to film his tape I mean, just hold the camera steady, please. Like, I feel like I was watching the Blair Witch Project or Cloverfield. Like this was ridiculous. It was just or, so the, or the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And then probably the same person filmed that. I mean, oh my gosh! Like it was just shaking all over the place, and they're wearing like these yellow jerseys. So like it's it was almost a headache. Um, but the second thing that does stand out when you watch him, and like I said, it, so he only has his junior tape available. There's nothing from this year, and he was a quarterback. And props to him for recognizing that he's not really a quarterback because his arm was not very good. Uh, so you do have to kind of watch it with that mindset a little bit in there. So you're watching mostly for his running ability. And he's an uber athlete. I mean, he was clocked at a 4 four forty. Uh, with a 36.9 inch vert from the opening. Now that was uh, when he was 5'11", 205. But reportedly he had he kept his speed. He's up to 230, and he's running a 4.5. So right along, right there, 4.5 at 230. That's that's pretty elite speed. Uh, pretty elite size adjusted speed. So that's you know, that's definitely something you're going to be interested in seeing, but he's also very fluid as an athlete he's very shifty, makes guys miss, um, you know, and he shows really good vision for a quarterback, especially in the open field. Like I thought his vision was really good. 
you know, he was constantly like weaving his way through traffic. Uh, he showed the ability to set up some blockers like downfield at the other level. Like, you know, once you open things up a little bit, um, you know, he, so, but he does need to improve that for sure. Um, you know, definitely needs to improve the the patience and the technical side of the running back position because he just hasn't truly played that yet. But i I think that he is a guy who is, you should definitely put on your radar because I mean, he's got, he's checks a lot of boxes for what you're looking for. And if he can get down the technical side of the position, I mean, the sky's the limit for him. You know, they, they, when they were bringing him in, one of the things they really wanted him to work on. And when they, once UNC found out that his, he wasn't going to be playing football this fall, you know, they wanted him to be working on his hands. And he said that that's what he's been doing. He's been playing a lot of wide receiver in seven on sevens this fall. So if he can be the pass catching compliment to Camaro Edmonds, and be at that size, uh, he's definitely a guy that I'm interested in. Uh, one guy that I do think you're leaving out a little bit is Ty Chandler. True. Who is going to have some sort of a role there. So um, True. one of these guys, and it's probably not Chandler, is probably not going to play that much this year. True. Um, or at least, you know, you only get in in garbage time. Um, you are a big fan of those running backs in college that were – wildcat quarterbacks in high school aren't you i've, <laughs> I've noticed that a little bit and i like i'm not saying that jokingly yeah. I mean, like is that is that something that you generally like and is there a reason why you like it or it's just you know just kind of happenstance the past few years that those are the guys that you've liked um it's a little bit happenstance but i do like guys who were wildcat quarterbacks because i mean it just shows one the versatility to their game um and two you know, I think the guys who are Wildcat quarterbacks offer something different in terms of, like I mentioned, vision and setting up some blockers. So the Wildcat quarterbacks, you know, they have to have good vision. They have to be able to spot these lanes because they're also not typically running back build size. Now, at 5'11", 205, he was not really, he was kind of running back size there still, but, you know, not quite as big as you'd like to see necessarily. Um but, you know, now that he's up to 232, he definitely is. But uh, Cam Akers was definitely another guy that I was interested in, too. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the the vision that these guys offer and the decision-making and the quick processing that these guys have. I think it lends itself well to being able to make an adjustment to the running back position at the next level. Interesting, yeah. Um, Toa Feely was, uh, was yeah. the same way, right? And you liked him a lot last year. Yes. Maybe, it's just, yep. maybe it's just Florida State and those guys that kind of like bringing those guys in. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's um, – and, and he's going to be a guy that's, that's basically not drafted anyway yeah. this year, right? No. I mean, you know. Now, being, being an athlete, being the number 50 athlete, I don't think you're going to see this guy drafted really anywhere. I think he's going to be free. And you brought up a really good point with Ty Chandler. So Ty Chandler will probably be the passing down compliment guy this year. Um, he may cede some work to British Brooks or Camaro Edmonds, one of those two guys. I think Hood is definitely going to need a year to to develop um, for sure. Like I'll be surprised if he gets on the field a ton this year. Um, I mean, it helps. Like I said, it helps that he's on campus already. But I'll be mm-hmm. surprised if he ends up getting a significant role this year. I think he's a year out at least, but it's hard to ignore tools like he has. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. Um, I have a guy, I guess that for my guy tonight, um, not probably not quite as toolsy as, as Caleb hood, but still a very good athlete in his own right at the running back position. And that is Alden McCaskill 
He is the number 22 running back in the composite. And if you toss all purpose back in there, he's number 28. So, you know, still, still pretty good. Even with those guys in the mix, he is six, one, 200, uh, went to a high school in Texas at Oak Ridge high school in Conroe, Texas. Um, and, uh, senior year stats, he put up on 155 carries. He put up uh, 1141 yards, 11 touchdowns, and then 10 catches, 194 yards and three touchdowns through the air. So can do a little bit of everything. I was actually surprised. One of my first notes when I was writing him up is that I am a little surprised he wasn't listed as an all purpose back just because of kind of what he can do as a receiver. Um, because I think that's one of the first things you really notice, you know, 10 catches for a running back in high school is pretty decent. Um, you know, they, they just don't use the running back a lot. They don't obviously typically pass as much even as, as college teams do. Um, but he has really nice hands and I think he has the physical attributes that he can fit that mold as like a pass catching back. And I did note that he was also there. There are a bunch of clips of him catching passes downfield. So he's definitely comfortable working a little deeper, which you always like to see. Cause sometimes, you know, that, that can really show whether somebody's a legitimate, uh, pass catching back or not. His speed, um, is probably the second thing that really you know, kind of jumps out to you. He has a verified track time, 10, nine, 100 meter, which is a shade under a four, five forty. If you convert it, I didn't do the actual math. Um, but that, that's what it generally converts to. And you can definitely tell that he's a track guy, like his running style, you know, he's kind of got that running, um, you know, a little bit more of a strider, um, you know, when he gets in the open field kind of guy and you know he's six foot two hundred, so he's or six one two hundred. So he's not tiny. He he runs actually pretty hard. Um, you know he's not out there necessarily looking for contact, and he's not what I would call a bruiser. But he uh, there are a couple clips where he drags defenders five to ten yards. You know he'll take some guys for a ride, uh, depending on you know how much you know of a head of steam he's gotten, and he just has that nice leg churn. Um, but like I said, not overly physical. You know he's not a goal line got back or, you know, Mike Allstott out there or anything like that. And just my other note on him is that he, you know, athletic ability beyond his long speed definitely stands out. Uh, very nice burst. He's a pretty nice accelerator. Um, and he, that he wins a lot of battles where, you know, he just completely kind of eliminates an angle on a defender. Um, even in, even in, you know, a small amount of space, he does that pretty well. Um, situationally at Houston, and this is what I was kind of referring to earlier. So last year at Houston, it was an enormous committee of running backs. For those of you who don't follow Houston, I do not follow Houston. So I had to do some reading on this. So their leading rusher last year was Kyle Porter. It was his fifth year. His second at Houston, he transferred to Texas a few years back. I have not seen anything saying that he's like prepping for the NFL draft. Um, so, you know, Houston's one of those schools where maybe, you know, guys like that kind of come back for a, a final hurrah. So I'm not really sure what he's doing. Their second back last year was Moba Carr, I think is how you say it. And he was also a senior last year. Also, no word as to whether he comes back. Their third running back was Chandler Smith, who was also a senior last year. I have no idea if he's coming back. I'm sensing a trend. You have to go the whole way down to their fourth running back, who is Keelan Walker. And he was, he's a fourth year guy, technically, but he has a red shirt in last year thrown in there. So he's like listed as a sophomore, but he's really not. Um, so, all this to say that I really have zero idea what that 
that depth chart looks like. And I don't think anybody's really going to know until they hopefully get some spring practices in here and you can just see who shows up. I think that's going to just kind of tell you what, you know, whether he makes an immediate impact or not. Um, I do think, you know, if none of those guys come back, I think he can play a little bit his first year. If a couple of them do, then, you know, just by, you know, seniority's, you know, rank or whatever, I think he probably sits at least a year, but um, definitely a guy that can make some noise there in the future, even if he never makes it to the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched uh, a lot of um, McCaskill here. So, I, I mean, I just I watched a little bit because he threw him up on the show sheet and I've just watched a little bit before this pre-show. Uh, but I think one of the things that really stands out to me when I was just like looking at him is it, he has 32 offers. He had offers from Alabama, Arizona State, uh, Arkansas, Auburn, Florida State, Michigan, uh, Notre Dame, Ole Miss, Penn State, SMU, UCLA, USC, Virginia Tech, uh, Virginia. So, and just to name a couple of them there. So he had a lot of offers. And he also has some offers from schools like Utah State, Tulane, Texas State, Houston Baptist, Missouri State. So what that kind of tells me is he probably he wasn't very highly thought of originally. So these schools gave him some offers. And then all of a sudden, he started really coming on, really picking up some steam. And that's where some of these big boys got involved. Uh, so I think that's a coup for Houston to keep a guy like that. When you know you get Alabama and Auburn and those big names like that getting in there and Houston's able to keep him home, that tells me that they probably promised him, hey, you can co- compete here day one. We have these four guys who are all fourth year plus guys who they may be here for one more year. And then it's you, then it's your backfield. So that is one of the things that really stood out to me when I was looking through this, his info. You're muted. You're muted. Whoops. I was trying to give you the signal. Sorry, I'm I'm single screening it up tonight, so I can't even uh, like I, I when I've got something up in the foreground, I can't uh, <laughs> I can't see the 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 recording info. So if you look at his yeah, you nailed it with that. If you go and look at his timeline on 24-7, it'll show you when they got all their offers. Oh, okay. Um and Oklahoma State was the first school that offered him in 2019. But then after that, yeah, it's Colorado State, Vandy. North Texas, uh, Houston Baptist, Houston, Missouri State, um, ULL. So, yeah, like it wasn't until – I mean, he got his Bama offer um, June 30th of 2020, and that was his next-to-last offer. Arizona State offered him uh, like two months later. So, yeah, he's, he's a guy that definitely came on his last you know year, year and a half. Um, and unlike – college i don't necessarily care when they broke out in high school you know obviously it's nice to see you know it opens your eyes a little bit if you see this like 15 year old kid absolutely (laughs) just destroying people because you do see that every now and then but i it that doesn't bother me at all um and i'm sure you're this like i don't think you it bother it would bother you either no i mean like i am like uh i do like breakout age um once you're in college and you know you want to see the early production there but when you're in high school i mean guys change so much in high school you know you can come in as a freshman at five eight 
uh, a buck forty, and you could leave your senior year at six three two forty. You know, you could just guys can swing that much at times. So, you know, you're just still developing so much at that age. So I don't really care that much about production as a freshman or whatever. I mean, it's it's nice to see, like you said, like if you see that, you know, th- then that guy might be a unicorn. That guy might be like a Leonard Fournette or something. But you know, you're more often than not, that doesn't really bother me. I want to see them starting to progress and get better. That's what I want to see. So if they're, you know, breaking out as a sophomore, do they peak as a sophomore or do they keep getting better at least? So I'd rather see them keep getting better. That's well said. I like that. I'm going to steal that and not give you any credit. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. So I guess we want to get into kind of our main segment here for the night and welcome you guys to the Thunderdome a little bit because we're going to talk some positional depth chart uh, battles at a couple different schools here. And this is another one that we'll probably talk a little bit more and these will be shaken up, you know, depending on what happens in spring practices and things like that. But we just wanted to go through a quarterback, a crowded quarterback, a crowded quarterback room, a crowded running back room and a crowded wide receiver room here tonight and just give kind of some insight into the players that are competing and what our thoughts are, our predictions are, and where there maybe is some value to be had moving into our startups and stuff this offseason. Uh, so we, I guess, uh, we can start with the quarterbacks. It seems like an, as good of a place to start as any. And that is a QB battle at Tennessee that is brewing. And I think this has really been shaken up with um, Josh Hoople going in there. Uh, all new staff and all that kind of stuff. And he no longer has allegiance to any of the guys that are on the roster. So I think that definitely uh, adds an extra layer to kind of the analysis, but the three players that are probably in the mix for next year to varying degrees are going to be Harrison Bailey, uh, who is a second year guy there. I think he's probably going to be still listed as a freshman on their website. And then you have Hendon hooker, the transfer quarterback from Virginia Tech, and then Kadon Salter, who is the true freshman coming in this year, um, the four-star dual-threat running back. Uh, so, Colin, if you want to take it away, um, I don't know. How do you want to do this? Do you want to talk about one? You want to talk about three of the guys? You want to talk about one guy? Do whatever you want to do, and then I'll just <laughs> I'll just hop in when either you're done or I want you to be done. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you cut me off whenever you want me done. done. I, I I can get long winded at times. I know. So uh, yeah, feel free to cut me off whenever. But I think the biggest thing that stands out to me right away is Josh Hoople. Uh, so Josh Hoople's known for running more of like a, a quick hitting offense, more of a spread. Uh, that puts up a ton of yards at USCF. He also had Drew Locke at Mizzou. Um, so you know, these are, this is an offense that you want for fantasy because they're probably going to put up a lot of a lot of yards. Maybe not necessarily year one because it's kind of a transition period and stuff like that. Um, you know, but I mean, I still think it'll be productive year one. But year two is when you're going to get into it, and I think it, this is going to be an offense you want to keep an eye on. Um, so you know, starting with. The, you know, the guys who are already on the roster. I'll start with Harrison Bailey. Uh, he's 6'5", 225. You know, he's a four-star guy. He's number three pro-style prospect from last year. And if you just look at his numbers from this year, if you just box score scout, you're going to be impressed. 70.6% completion percentage, 578 yards, uh, four touchdowns, and two INTs. Uh, and this was through six games. Um it was through six games there. He had an 8.5 uh, yards per attempt, so not bad. But, you know, when you actually, like, 
start to dive in a little bit there, you're going to notice some things that kind of stand out on tape that aren't really what I'm looking for. He's not a true statue in the pocket, um, but he's definitely not mobile either. I'd put him kind of along a, a Jared Goff level of mobility. Um, he can move around a little bit, but you know, if he's taken off downfield, look out. I, I don't, you know, he's probably going to get crushed because uh, he can't really evade tacklers or anything like that. He's he's not going to pick up a ton of yards. He may pick up a first down on a on a third and three scramble or something, but that's about it. Um, and like I said, accuracy looks good on paper. Seventy point six percent completion percentage. That's very very good, especially for a freshman. But when you watch his tape, there's some bad misses at times. Uh, he has a big arm, but he misses deep a lot. There's a lot of overthrows. Does not have very good touch on the ball. Uh, a lot of his passes, a lot of them are kind of dump offs um, or or some shorter stuff. So, you know, I think you have to put some context to these numbers. I am normally I do like to see like the numbers, but you, know, you have to definitely put context with them. Um, and like I mentioned, he's not mobile, and he doesn't have great accuracy or anticipation, and that's just not a guy that I want. And he has no tie to just ties to Josh Hoople. He doesn't really fit what Josh Hoople likes in a quarterback, at least previously. He's had Drew Locke, Mackenzie Milton, and Dylan Gabriel. Those are all guys who have more mobility. Um, and Harrison Bailey just doesn't. So I think Harrison Bailey loses this starting job and transfers after this year. Yeah, there's already the rumors that he was going to transfer portal anyway because he was Pruitt was his guy. Like he yeah. he only went there for Pruitt. Um, I think there's a tweet from one of his parents saying that. Um, yeah, which we've talked about on the show before. It's just like the most bizarre like connection ever. But whatever. Um, and yeah, I've, I have very similar feelings to you on him. Um, so if not Bailey, then who uh, do you think is taking the job? So I think that. Hendon Hooker has experience and he's transferred in there. Um, you know, I, I think he transferred before Hoople got there, I believe, right? He did, yeah. Yeah. So it's not like he's Hoople's guy or anything like that. Um, but he does fit what Hoople looks for more in a quarterback. Like I said, he's very, the first thing that stands out when you watch Hooker is very athletic. He's a true dual threat guy, he runs some read option type stuff. You know, he'll run some design run plays here and there. Um so he fits that part of it too, but he also minimizes mistakes. Typically he's, he's a pretty smart passer. Um, you know, his completion percentage in sophomore year at Virginia tech was 61.1%. Um, and it improved this year to 65.3%. Neither one of those are phenomenal. Um, but his sophomore year, he had a 13 to two TD to INT ratio through 10 games while also having a 9.6 uh, yards per attempt. So that's something that I like to see uh, when you start talking numbers like that's I, I like seeing that, you know, that shows me that he he pushes the ball a little bit, but he's smart with it. Um, and then this year, you know, his yards per attempt dipped a little bit to 8.9 percent. Uh, his TD to INT ratio dipped a little bit, nine touchdowns, five interceptions. Um, but this year, he also put up 600 yards on the ground and nine touchdowns on the ground. So he kind of made up for it that way, but at least production wise. But. He, like I said, he minimizes mistakes, and I think that's something that Josh Hoople's going to like. Um, he likes guys who are smart, and you know he has an NFL caliber arm. Um, you know he has a pretty strong arm there, so 
I'm leaning towards Hooker taking the job here this year, but I know Hooker's a guy that you have talked a little bit about. Um, so what do you see when you look at Hooker? Yeah, I think he has to be the front runner. Just because I think with how unsteady things are there right now, uh, Hoople's going to need to go in there, find a guy that he can rely on a little bit. And not to say that, you know, I think this is the perfect time for Tennessee to kind of say, you know, we've tried this sort of, we haven't tried the the hard reset button yet. And I think that's the button that now you're lifting the, ga- the glass in case of emergency. And you're thinking that maybe you push that button this offseason. This is the perfect time. With, you know, I, well, the thing is, like you say, like, well, they, they don't have any expectations, but their fans always have expectations. You say what you want about the lunacy of the Tennessee Volunteers fan base. They always have expectations. They expect to do well every year. But I do think this is the time where you say, look, we are in deep doo-doo with the NCAA because of Jeremy Pruitt and what his staff did. We're bringing in a whole new guy. And we are going to basically say, you know, unless our recruiting classes dip into like the eighties, this, we're going to give you three years or four years, you know, to get a full set of guys through this team that are yours to do something different than what we've been doing the past couple of years, which is clearly making bad hires and then making it worse by firing, like, you know, by then just heaping the expectations onto the next guy. They've really snowballed over the past few years in terms of that. So um, I, I do think Hooker has the the upper hand, and then just to you know, high, uh, Salter's a good player. I like him, and I think there were some rumors. Uh, I don't know how you know anything that anybody says on the internet that gains any sort of traction is a rumor. So it's hard to class. You know, and you know, sometimes when you say rumors, you think you know, may, oh, the media is starting to report, but it's just you know stuff I see on social media and stuff about how Salter may have had even if. Um, Pruitt stayed that that Salter may have had some sort of upper hand on on uh, Harrison Bailey. I, I don't have an answer to that, but I do think um, Salter is going to match what Hoople wants out of a quarterback more than Bailey does. Um, so it it like wouldn't be shocking if Salter ends up two on the depth chart and and Bailey ends up third behind Hooker. And um, you know, especially if Bailey's heart and you know everything really isn't in it at Tennessee right now. Yeah, no, I'm completely with you. And I think one of the big things that gives Salter an advantage is he's an early enrollee. He's already on campus. Um, so I think that that puts him, you know, right there with those other guys. It puts him in contention to win that number two job. Um, so I think that it's a good thing that Hooker came in to kind of bridge that year for Salter. But, you know, I like Salter too. He's a very good athlete, very mobile. Um, maybe he can escape pressure, pick up some yards on scrambles. Um, he can make a guy miss here and there too. Uh, he throws re- really well on the move. He's, he's good off platform. Um, you know, good accuracy overall, good arm strength, uh, good touch on the ball too. So he's a nice prospect. Um, you know, there's, and there's a reason he's a four star guy, you know, number six dual threat. Uh, the, my biggest concern actually right now with Salter is something that's it's out of his control and it's really unfortunate, but his dad contracted COVID as they moved him on into campus uh, in, in this, in the winter here. And his dad is currently hospitalized. He is from Texas. So you have to figure this is a really tough time for this kid uh, being that far away from home. He's not even through his senior year yet. And now his dad's in the hospital so I think that is something that I'm a little concerned about, but like I said, it's, it's nothing that he has any control over and I wouldn't fault this kid if, if he, 
was like, I need to go home and be with my dad and, you know, didn't participate much in spring ball or anything like that. That's a really good point. I had read that in an article the other day, um, but I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, you know, just some of those things that are, you know, outside of these kids control, you know, you can like these kids all you want and, you know, weird stuff can happen, um, especially in these times. Yep. Um, so I guess our verdict is we're leaning hooker. Um, if we have to pick one of these guys is that, that seems yeah. to be consensus between two of us. Perfect. Yeah. Hooker, short term, long term Salter. I like cool. Salter. Gotcha. Awesome. All right. So let's move on to our running back uh, competition for the night. We are looking at Miami's backfield. And really, you could look at any of those floor, big time Florida school backfields there. We probably will do all of them at some point because um, they all have, you know, a pretty interesting hodgepodge of characters in the backfield. Miami has three main guys, I think. You know, you can kind of narrow it down to them. Uh, Cameron Harris is is the probably the top guy. You know, he seemed to get the majority of the carries last year uh, when he was healthy slash not throwing a hissy fit. Don Chaney Jr., um, yeah, second guy on that roster, another four-star uh, true freshman last year. And then Jalen Knighton, the transfer. Um, and he's a former five-star, right, Colin, I think? Um, I think he was a very high four star. Okay. Um, he was the number 10 running back, but yeah, oh, okay. he was a very high four star. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. So that, that's kind of the, the competitors there, Colin, uh, again, just take it away with whatever you want to talk about and, you know, tag <laughs> me in when, when you're done. Um, yeah. So I think the, the thing there is, um, Cameron Harris was, was the guy who kind of led this backfield this year. I would expect him to lead it next year there as well. So, you know, if you're looking for immediate production here, he's the guy to go with there. Um, and he was a good prospect in his own right. You know, he's number seven RB in the 2018 class. He was a four-star guy. Um, you know, they had a productive year this year, uh, 114 carries, 576 yards, five touchdowns, 16 catches, 118 yards in a TD. Or, I'm sorry, that was in 2019. This year he had 126 carries, 623 yards and 10 touchdowns uh, and 18 catches, 131 and one. Um, but the caveat with that is he rushed for 286 yards. So over a third of it and three touchdowns, just the first two games against UAB and Louisville. And after that, he, there was only one game against Duke where he had more than 70 yards. The thing with Harris, he's more of a head down power, the power forward, grind the ball, he doesn't really show a ton of nuance to his game. His footwork is solid, but it's not great with the lateral agility. He's not very elusive. He catches the ball okay, but he doesn't look natural doing it. So you could you could use him in the pass game, but you're probably always going to have a better option on the roster. So while Cameron Harris is probably going to be the guy who gets the most touches this year, I'm not really excited about him. Yeah, I think and it's not a cop-out answer, but it's definitely the cheating answer is that I don't know if any of these guys matter that much on the college side of things right now with, with Derek King there. I agree. Um, he was their leading rusher last year, yardage-wise, you know, touchdown-wise, you know, he's not a battering ram. When they get down in the red zone, they're more running the other guys. Um, but yardage-wise, he was their leading rusher last year, and you have to figure, you know, I don't know exactly what that that backfield and everything is going to look like with him coming back from an injury coming into the year. You know, maybe he tries to run a little bit less uh, uh, with that, you know, with his recovery and everything. But, you know, I, I'm not sure I love any of these guys with him back there. And, um, 
yeah, yeah. I just none of them have been super convincing yet, you know. And then maybe there's some value to be had there because of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you there. I think uh, as far as for this year for a C2C, I'm probably out on these guys. Um, you know, I don't see a ton of production there. It's kind of a three-headed monster. And I mean, Cameron Harris, like I said, he was the guy who had the production last year, so you know he's probably going to have it next year. You had Jalen Knighton, um, who just one quick interesting side note for him. They call him the Rooster. I don't really understand why. I didn't see anywhere that said it that said why that. Uh, but his like Twitter mentioned the Rooster, and there was one um, tape of him this year. I can't remember what game it was. I want to say it was against Louisville, where he had that like seventy-five yard catch and run, and the announcer. Um, I can't remember which announcer it was, but it was like one of the big name NCAA guys calls him the rooster. And like, I was like, all right. Um, that sounds like the nickname for like a South American soccer player or something. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I just interesting tidbit there on him unrelated anything fantasy wise, but um, Knighton is 5'10", 190. Uh, and, you know, he ran a four, four, nine at the opening. Um, so, and he catches the ball very well, so he could definitely be a plus in the pass game. So I think that is his role. He's a very nice complimentary piece. Can be like a Duke Johnson, Gio Bernard type guy, but I don't think he has a skill set to lead a backfield at any point. Um, and he actually did have a shoulder injury. He missed the last two games this year. They're expecting him to be ready by mid March, is what they said. But you know, he's not. So he's still battling an injury right now. Um, so I don't necessarily love him either just because like i said he's a complimentary piece in a crowded backfield i think the value lies with don cheney jr um you know he's a guy that out of the three of them i like the most overall uh, he was 5 10 210 so solid size the four-star guy he was the number 11 running back last year but he was number five for 24 7 sports and he was actually a five-star guy uh, at one point, but he dropped to a four-star during his senior year. And he didn't really say why he dropped. Um, I was watching one thing on Miami where they just speculated that it was because he decided he wanted to go to Miami and they have a venge against Miami. But it, I, I mean, that was just kind of victim. They were just trying to play the victim there. Um, I'm sure there was an, a real reason behind it, but at one point he was a five-star guy. Um, he had 68 carries this year, 322 yards, three touchdowns, uh, 11 catches, 143 yards. And he ran a 4-4 flat 40, a 4-1-2 shuttle, and a 39-inch vert at the opening. So he has sprinter speed, a very good athlete, and he gets very good acceleration. He gets north and south very quickly. Um, and he, for that type of an athlete, he also breaks tackles regularly too. He lowers his shoulders. He'll take on defenders, bounces off some guys here and there. Um, he's got a, so he's he has that nice skill set that I like to see in a running back, um, just pretty well rounded there. And then he can also catch the ball pretty well. Uh, I don't think he'll ever be a plus, but he could definitely be an asset. Uh, there's a, a clip of him against Duke where they use him on a really nice wheel route uh, and he catches it and he's just off to the races. Um, he gets tracked down from behind eventually, uh, but I think it was like 56 yard catch. Um, and, you know, his technically he's pretty, pretty solid. He's good vision, displays some good patience. Um, definitely needs to improve and letting the blocks develop, but you know, he checks a lot of the boxes that I like to see. And he's not any one that you're hearing anybody talk about. You know, I think he's the least heralded of the three right now. So if you're going after any of them, Cheney's the guy that I would want. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I took Cameron what, in the ninth of a mock we did the other day. Yeah. Um, so I thought, you know, once you start getting down there, um, I needed some running back help. But, I'm yeah, I'm not sure if that was actually, you know, smart or not. Um, but I do think he he is the in line to be the starter going into the year, yeah. truth be told. Whether he's the best NFL prospect of the three or not, who's to say? But um, for, you know, CFF purposes, I think he's the one to own uh, yeah. for 2021. Yeah, I would agree. And they are bringing in a four-star guy this year in Thad Franklin. Um, but I haven't really watched a ton of him yet, so I don't have a ton of thoughts on him right now. Yeah, Plus, I keep skipping over him when I'm looking through the list. Like I'm like, oh, Miami has a bunch of guys. Like I, I He's not it probably instant impact. I don't care. So I, I need to get to him. Same. Uh, that's exactly what I do too. <laughs> yeah, one of these days, one of these days. Uh, so last group we're going to talk about here tonight is the Arizona State wide receivers. And I think – uh, you know, widely heralded group that went in there last year. Um, and yeah, we learned virtually nothing about the group this year because Arizona state only played like what four games, you know, they did. Yeah. I think it was four. They just really, you know, no one really gained any momentum uh, because of that. It, it was nice to see with Darby out for a lot of, or, or at least banged up that, you know, these guys were getting snaps, but, I don't think there were any takeaways in terms of, you know, maybe one guy that Jaden Daniels loves compared to the others. Um, I, I guess I'll kick this one off just because, and I guess I should list the contenders here. So we have, um, and I, this is just strictly by targets last year. Um, I, I have no, you know, as I'm listing them off here as contenders, so we have LV, LV Bunkley Shelton, uh, who's a true freshman last year, Johnny Wilson, true freshman last year. And then after those two, I think is where you start getting a lot of different names involved. We have, I think it's pronounced Jordan Porter. It's G-E-O-R-D-O-N. I'm assuming that's how you pronounce that. He's um, like a fourth-year guy. I think he's listed as a sophomore on the website. He had uh, like eight targets last year. Ricky Pearsall, another kind of glue guy. You have Andre Johnson um, there. And then beyond that, not a whole lot else. I mean, I know they had Elijah Badger last year, but there were always rumors that he was going to be a DB instead of a receiver. And I don't think he got a ton of snaps last year. My favorite of the group is LB Bunkley Shelton. I've been saying this for a long time. This isn't anything new. Um, so again, not necessarily influenced by this past season, but their coach went, you know, Herm Edwards went out of his way to hype him up last off season. You know, it wasn't, you know, quite, he wasn't getting asked, you know, which of the freshman receivers looks the best. He was just saying, you know, do they generally be talking? He'd say, you know, who's looked great. I'll be Bunkley Shelton has looked great. And that is always a huge, uh, you know, uh, you know, red flag in a good way that pops up when I hear that, where this is a guy that, you know, if the coach is saying this stuff, probably doing a lot of stuff right behind the scenes. He's 5'11", a little over 190. Um, definitely more of like a technician type receiver, but he's a very good athlete as well. Um, so don't get, you know, don't think that he's just, you know, maybe an unathletic, you know, kind of college separator that maybe won't do anything in the NFL. He led the team in targets this past year. He had 23 and he had 11 catches for 96 yards. So really low, you know, yards per reception there. Um, but again, that offense just never really got you know particularly going. And I think he is in line to be the wide receiver one there next year. Yeah, I like uh, I like Bunkley Shelton a lot too. Um, I think he's got really strong hands. He catches the ball well away from his frame really well. Um, and like you said, he has a he's he's a good athlete. Uh, I think he's quicker than fast, which shows up a little bit in his long speed from the opening. Uh, he ran a four six forty, 
which I think he's faster than that, but he's not this lightning in a bottle home run threat every time. He's a lot more of a quick break your ankles yak threat kind of a guy, um, which I really like that in an off in, in a wide receiver. So I, I like him a lot too. I think there's also a very easy role for him uh, is to step into that slot receiver guy because they don't really have anybody else uh, on the roster to fill that slot receiver role. So I think he's very easily pegged into that spot. Um, but then they also had uh, Johnny Wilson listed on the outside there. Um, now he's pretty much the polar opposite. He yeah. is, <laughs> he's listed as 6'7", 220 on Arizona State's website, which is just absolutely insane. Uh, and when he was coming out, uh, 24-7 sports had him listed at 6'6", 240. So it's not like that's like way off and Arizona State's just like hyping him up hype, like size-wise, but that is just – and that shows up on tape too. He's a monster. Uh, he bodies guys. He high points the ball really well. He just boxes people out, uses that frame really well. So he is a pretty easy path to a red zone receiver. Uh, but he's also a good athlete too. Uh, he ran a four five nine at the opening with a four two eight shuttle and a thirty six point nine inch vert. So I actually at that size and that athleticism, I think his best path in the NFL will be transitioning to tight end. Um, so I would kind of like to see him do a little bit of that this year, but I don't know if that's going to necessarily going to happen. I think they're going to use him on the outside, which is what they did this past year. Uh, I mean, he had six catches for 89 yards. Um, he only played three games, I think out of the four, but still. Yeah. And, um, they just brought somebody in the portal at tight end, which is going to block him a little bit. Uh, yeah. Was this, is it, uh, was, it was, was it Conyers? Yes, it was Conyers. I was thinking yeah. it's Stogner, but yeah, it was Conyers that, yeah. that was going there. Um, so Jalen Conyers. Yes, yes. So that that doesn't make things easier for him if that's his his route or path to playing time. The only I tried to watch some Arizona State last year, but I mean, like I said, they just lack of games. I watched the yep. entire USC game, and I actually I watched it like when it was happening, just because I wanted to watch the game, and then I went back and I've watched it probably in terms of you know watching the different guys in it at least once more, if not twice. Um, he had at least one or two really bad drops in that game. And that was his first collegiate game. So I'm giving him a break, but it just wasn't like a great first impression, uh, with Wilson the first time I watched, but, um, you know, uh, you know, freshman jitters and a whole another off season there to work with Jaden Daniels and maybe they can get them on the same page. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I kind of like him, but the guy that I actually like is the guy that you mentioned but kind of glossed over a little bit and that was elijah badger um so the reason that he didn't play at all this year is he did not meet the ncaa's minimum standards for eligibility for initial eligibility so he was ineligible this year so he didn't play at all um and it was there were two basketball players at arizona state that apparently had similar issues so it doesn't sound like a grades issue to me it sounds like an issue with credits I don't really know for sure. They're pretty vague on that. Um, so I think, so that's why he didn't play is because he was ineligible. Um, but everything I've read says he's still planning on playing wide receiver. Um, although he's just good enough to play corner as well. Uh, but there was an article on 24 seven sports um, where they just go out of their way to hype up Badger. And they say he's a special athlete. They think he can be one of the best 
wide receivers in the Pac-12. They said he looks like a future star in practice because he was allowed to practice, but he couldn't play. Um, so they're really hyping this kid up. And I mean, he's a, he's a phenomenal athlete. Uh, he was a, the number three overall athlete last year. Um, you know, so that goes to show you the level of athlete that he is. He was, uh, listed at six two, one ninety five. 195. He was a four-star guy. Um, and one of the other things too, is he was extremely productive at the high school level. Uh, he had 52 touchdowns. And three thousand, almost three thousand four hundred yards uh, in California. Um, so he was very productive as a receiver. He just happens to also be really good at corner too. Um, and one of the things that stands out with him too is you know, he catches the ball really well away from his frame. Um, you know, he'll make really nice adjustments. He has this really nice one-handed catch on his tape, uh, and he tracks the ball really well deep. So he's definitely a vertical threat. Um, like I said, standout athlete too. So he's, you know, he can just blow by guys. And that's what you see on tape is he just blows by these guys. He has non-existent release moves. There's almost no nuance to his route running. Um, so he really needs to develop the technical side of his game. But just with the level of athlete that he is and how smooth and sudden he is, I think he could develop as a route runner, but it's definitely a projection. Um, but I'm just really interested in him, given that they're going out of their way to hype this kid up right now. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I really don't know what to think of that, that offense as a whole um, going into next year. Uh, a lot. I mean, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure their running backs are going to be pretty good. Um, and I like Jaden Daniels a lot. Um, so I'm hoping that ASU just comes out this year and just kind of, you know, kick some ass. That would be yeah fun to see um you know especially with a school that isn't necessarily always like that you know it's yeah. every once in a while you see a school like that make a run and it it is exciting and fun for the college football fan and all of us beyond just you know you know hyping up specific players and everything like that yeah yeah i agree i, I like to see some parody i don't like to see the same teams dominate every year um so i'm kind of rooting for for arizona state there next year as well um, also Herm Edwards is an easy guy to report too, you know? Yeah, he is. Um, so I think that's going to be our show for tonight. Um, be tune in on, you know, late this week, we're going to have a Canton bound here for you. Um, I don't think we've discussed any of the topics yet for that. So I can't give you a, you know, a, a teaser or a soundbite thrown in regarding that. Uh, congrats again to at the boys 22, Kevin, who won the signed JK Dobbins Jersey. And the drawing that we did live on the last episode of Canton Bounds. Um, uh, for those of you who didn't win, that's okay. We're going to definitely do more of these, like I said, on Twitter. And just to peel back the curtain a little bit. So we, the, you know, we've been getting around 150 downloads per episode here in the first week of release. You know, that's kind of when they're most important, or at least when you look at them. So we said once we get up to 200 or, you know, right around there, we'll do another Jersey giveaway. So if you really like the show and you want another Jersey to be given away, tell your friends, tell your family, you know, you talk about us on Twitter, you know, retweet when we put out the episodes or whatever, just to um, get some more ears and some more downloads on the show. And we will make sure to do another fun giveaway of some sort. Yeah, exactly. We, we like um, interacting with you guys. We like giving you guys reasons to listen to. So, uh, you know, I would expect us to do a couple of Jersey giveaways too, but 
Um, also, just to circle back around to what we opened with, with that heavy hitters mock, um, you know, keep following along with that on Twitter. But also, um, you know, we're this is like a test drive of that mock draft right now, which is why we kind of picked some of these industry guys. Um, peek behind the curtain a little bit. We are planning on running some of these this offseason. So, you know, uh, we're we're going to be at some point looking for other people to join in, too. So, you know, keep interacting with us and, you know, we'll, we'll get your names on our list and, and keep it in mind for whenever we do start running these mocks. Exactly. Exactly. Lots of well, we're going to have a lot of fun this offseason, I think. Yeah, with, for sure. Um, a lot of this different stuff. Yeah. And um, even if you're not a C2C guy, um, you know, the thing with these mocks is very low risk, you know, just gets you some exposure to some of these players, gives you a chance to interact with everybody too. And like, you know, cause we'll set up a Twitter DM or something to, to have people in there and talk and stuff. So, you know, even if you're not a C2C guy, give it a shot. Uh, worst thing that happens is, you know, you talk to us for a little bit and you decide you hate us and you don't listen to the show again. So it's more a consequence on our end than not, than you. Exactly. Nothing, nothing to lose and everything to gain. Um, and just to, to say, yeah, again, Colin just got his new Twitter handle. He is now at C2C Decker. I am at Debbie Dietz. You can always contact us at the show uh, Twitter page as well. You can DM us there. That is at Campus2Canton, the number two in the middle. Or you can email us, Campus2Canton at gmail.com. Um, I think that is it for tonight. So until later in this week, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good week, guys. Have a good one.